This is Daniel Fagella, Head of Research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. We've covered a lot about conversational interfaces in the past, and we've covered slightly less about today's topic, and that is voice. Voice is an important customer experience channel. Not everyone is going to jump on their phone and use Facebook Messenger to communicate with their bank or their telco company. Uh, Sometimes people need to get on the phone. And there's certain use cases where a business can not only drive efficiencies, but can also drive better customer experience with voice. It is a delicate balance. It's awfully more challenging than text alone. And so there's a lot to discuss about what to do to make AI work for customer experience. And that's exactly what we speak about with Nikola Merzik. Nikola holds a PhD in machine learning from the University of Cambridge. He was previously a machine learning researcher at the world's only $2 trillion company at the time of this recording. That is, of course, Apple, before founding Poly AI co-founder and CEO of PolyAI. PolyAI has raised some $12 million to bring artificial intelligence to voice in the world of customer experience. And Nicola breaks down some of the challenges of voice as well as some of the low-hanging fruit opportunities and when it might be a better fit than chat. So without further ado, let's fly into this episode. This is Nicola Merzik with PolyAI here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Nicola, we're going to be talking about the improvements that artificial intelligence can bring when it comes to voice for customer experience today. I want to crack things open first with why voice is critical for customer experience in the first place. Some people might not realize this even as an inherent business challenge. They might not know what companies are already struggling with. How do you like to explain this to people? Yeah, I mean, look, on the one hand, voice is how most large enterprises deal with customer service right now. That is the absolutely dominant way that most companies um, use to interact with all of their clients, right? So like call centers are still about 60% roughly of all customer interactions. So it is, it is the default way of interacting with, with your customers. Now, when it comes to voice and, you know, a lot of people like to talk about omni-channel today, about chat, email, social networks, all these other things, voices the most dominant channel and the most exciting one to us from a technical perspective because it's the most inclusive channel. It's the one that everyone is familiar with. Everyone knows how to use their voice really well. They're typically very comfortable using their voice and they express themselves very, very quickly and smoothly with it. And, you know, I mean, I'll give you an example. Recently, you know, we've had a reopening here in the UK pubs and there was an 80-year-old guy who went to a Weatherspoons pub and sat there for half an hour, not knowing how to order with the app, right? And now, you know, we could tell great stories about how, you know, apps are great, those interfaces are faster, you know, you don't have to queue up for a beer, but like, you know, a lot of your clients might not know or might not be comfortable or might like, frankly, just prefer to do it the good old fashioned way. So, you know, in the end, someone ordered two pints for for this guy from their (laughs) app and, you know, Everyone got their beer. But really, honestly, you want to give your customers a way to interact with you that they prefer. And most people across all age demographics prefer to use their voice. If you have a customer service lines where they know you'll pick up straight away and provide one hell of a service, that is what most people prefer. Yeah, I I can't even argue with that as a millennial. I mean, I I, uh, one of the reasons I use American Express is because they're going to pick up and they're going to handle what I have to say that people aren't going to you know, be ridiculous or dumb or route me in the wrong direction, right? They're just going to get it done. Totally. And I could totally chat, you know, and I, even with like a rocket mortgage or, you know, other things, it's like, if I could get on the phone and just explain the situation, work through it, 
maybe I should be thinking about chat, but even my instinct is often voice first and I'm a young person. Exactly, right? And you know, I think there are products now that have managed to hit better unit economics and you know that via chat, you'll get it done quickly and you might have to wait on the phone. So you might go for chat. And that's what a lot of companies are trying to push in their kind of like CX strategy. It's cheaper, but it's not better. It is not better, right? Yep. Even for us millennials, right? People love talking. 100%. And you know, like that, that that's what we're about. We want to provide superhuman customer experience, right? And it starts with a voice agent that's as good as the best human, picks up straight away, speaks whatever language you need it to, dialect, adapts to you. Got it. And I guess we can talk a little bit. We're going to lean into the use cases here and where this is going to mm-hmm. change business in the future. But I want to address what makes voice more challenging than text. I mean, I've got some intuitions here. We've covered a lot of different NLP and, and audio you know, applications over the years. But when you sum up for business people the unique challenges of applying AI to voice, what are the things that you like to bring up that kind of frame why this isn't a solved problem for everybody yet? Like what are those inherent hurdles that make superhuman voice not something that everybody can do? Absolutely. So listen, the, the first and most important thing is that there's a machine learning model that takes you know, your voice and converts it into text. And then the whole machinery is applied afterwards. And that thing is far from perfect, right? It will mistranscribe things due to accents, background noise. And, you know, you want to understand callers when they have a thick accent or even if they're holding a crying baby, right? And, you know, a lot of this technology now works pretty well in ideal conditions, but it's really far from working in all the conditions you need it to. And, you know, people, when they speak, they also express themselves in all sorts of ways. You know, they start in very roundabout ways to tell you everything that you do and don't need to know it. Yeah. Talk and talk and talk. And, you know, we've got a bunch of examples of this across many of our deployments. And, you know, there's no visual interface for guidance. Uh, it's really hard to kind of like in chat, you can kind of like ground people, give them a lot of parameters. But here, you know, they've only got their voice and they're leading the conversation. So it can be really hard to navigate it and to kind of just like pinpoint what they're after quickly. And, you know, like it's a whole art, you know, Alexa's got 14,000 people. So, yep, you know, yep. it's, 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 it's far from a crack problem. A lot of work needs to go in to make something even as simple as, say, appointment making work really well. Incredibly challenging even to make appointment making, you know, the, the X.AIs of the world as, as you know, mm-hmm. some of us have seen. Yeah, and, you know, even when you were talking right there, you know, when you mentioned callers, just given your uh, slight accent with English mm-hmm. combined with British or, you know, wherever you're from as well, yeah, I, I could have seen a machine interpret that as colors, you know, and, and it's just all those little Absolutely. things, right? And and now, so you've got that trans, that taking of audio, turning it into text, and sure, then we can run our NLP, but that whole process, again, has a number of different hurdles. So, you know, when it comes to overcoming some of those hurdles and layering some of this AI value into the customer experience, where can AI, you know, make a notable uptick in terms of what our users' experiences when they're on the horn? You know, you mentioned we'd like, you know, kind of an AI agent that's as good as the best human agent. I think you know, that, that is a dream scenario I, I hope we can get to. I think with some use cases, we can kind of get there. You have a better understanding of what use cases are more realistic than others. Our listeners are very interested in, okay, well, what, what can actually work now? Where for you can AI level up that voice experience um, best? What are those junctures where it really can be a critical level up? Yeah. So, so whenever you speak to a um, call center agent who's got like a complex task to do, right? And maybe you provided a lot of information and, you know, they might have to do a few different things. Let's say you're booking a, 
you know, travel or even more interesting, like a travel arrangement with a hotel and the plane and whatnot. And you're looking for different options, right? So think of a human trying to find you all their options. They're kind of linear. They're going at it one by one. It takes them a lot of time to get to the answer, right? So an AI, not by the virtue of being an AI, but but the virtue of being an automated system can go and crunch through those in a millisecond and offer the best options. The second point, I mean, there are many ways in which AI can shine over a human, but you know, when a really good human agent has had 10,000 conversations about a topic, they can almost tell where you're going with something. They kind of cut in politely and help you save three minutes of your time. Or you know, they might ask a question that's counterintuitive and they ask it and then they know immediately where you're going to yeah, land and they yeah, save you yeah, time yeah. and you're just, you know, you're left, you know, starstruck because, wow, like, you think it's intuition, but it's really just experience. Yep, the good yep. thing about AI algorithms is, you know, they can go through more data uh, while training than, you know, like the whole population of London will go through in their whole lives if they were to go through this, right? So they can build a really, really good intuition about this and they can get really damn good at these tasks, right? So they can cut through a lot of noise. They can help you navigate these things more quickly. And, you know, like they'll they'll be able to understand really complex inputs that, frankly, most humans will struggle with, ask you to repeat. So, you know, like we've seen AI outperform people in a bunch of tasks, starting from, you know, speech recognition to image classification. And today, you know, we're outperforming humans in what we call spoken language understanding, which is the art of listening to a long convoluted sentence and making out the exact meaning of that sentence. Yeah, that's, man, you know, that's incredibly challenging because, you know, like you said, sometimes they're long and convoluted. And also they're language specific, they're dialect specific, they are domain specific, which is incredibly important, right? If, If you're working with a digital bank versus you're working with, I mean, I'll just throw some, you know, random kind of firm out there. I don't know, some, some kind of a, you know, a retail or e-commerce store, Mm -hmm. the series of questions, the meaning of a statement is going to mean something different than, you know, in in one context to the next. So you mentioned two things here. I'm going to dive into both of these, uh, Nicolette, and and just kind of get your thoughts. One was more on the, sounded like the recommendation side. Someone's looking for X, maybe it's a hotel, Mm -hmm. maybe it's a lending product, maybe it's a whatever, what you're saying is that AI might be able to say, you know, hey, here's some options that are really a good fit for you just by simply, you know, it's 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 taken in enough of the base inputs, maybe it knows who the user is, and it can just do the right kind of matching right there without having to do six clicks and then read it out loud. It can just say them. Uh, that's, yep. that's maybe one area. Was that the right way of interpreting what you meant there? It's one way of interpreting it, right? So like the recommendation side is one thing, but the other is just like the purely, you know, experiential, you know, like I could ask you five questions, but because I've seen so many different calls, I know that 80% of the time it's this. So I'll ask you that first. I'll prioritize. Yeah, yeah. And that part, so that gets to the latter. So you mentioned recommendations. You also mentioned intuition where they cut in and they save you three minutes. So let's talk about that intuition because, frankly, that that yeah. Feels and then there's another there's an, there's another thing maybe just to add. You know, like superhuman. You know, we got to look at where humans are, right? You look at most call centers today. The churn is huge. People are not investing enough in training call center agents. So while you know most call centers have like an elite group of agents who deal with like the most complex calls, the most high value customers, the average call center agent doesn't get the training they need. So in that case, an AI system can be trained uh, a lot better than your average human. And like, it'll be more accurate, uh, faster, um, everything. Yeah, that, well, that would be the ideal. Again, it's, it's easier said than done to just like, well, plug them in and take out your lower tier call center folks. Like, by golly, is it harder than that? 
But yes, I think what you're getting at is that the lower hanging fruit that isn't as wildly bespoke could be a real efficiency gain, given the fact that call centers are such a big churn factor there. Look, listen, it is, you know, I mean, across our deployments, we improve revenue by 4%. We cut handling times by 47%. We, you know, automate up to 90% of all the calls. It's, It's happening right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I, I can't stand behind those exact numbers, but you're making your own claims here. But yeah, I mean, I would suspect there will be pockets of business, pockets of categories of kinds of calls where, you know, to your point, a huge majority of them actually could just be automated. And and I mm-hmm. think that that does uh, open up. That's part of what makes this kind of an inevitable transition in, in customer experience over time. Of course, like you said, there's a lot of technical hurdles and it ain't easy. And there's mm-hmm. also a lot of industry specificity. So I'd love to get into one other thing that you brought up, which is a very astute point, which was that, you know, if you're familiar with a flow and you're familiar with what people are talking about, you can kind of jump in, you know, it's experience, not necessarily intuition and, and kind of get them to where they need to go faster. Some of that, uh, as far as I know, from just a bajillion conversations and conversational, some of that actually has to deal with, of course, the, the human input and structure ahead of time, sort of. When we get somebody on the phone, you know, for this kind of a product or whatever the case may be, people would have to determine what are the buckets they're going to fall into, one of these five, right? And then people would have to determine which of these questions we want to say in what order. So there, there's there's human design that allows this flow to be efficient. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how that intuition, of course, AI can can do a ton of learning, can, you know, uh, potentially pull in some of its own insights. But you know, it's, it's not like the AI reinvents the script and the flow and what and the categories for every caller, right? So talk a little bit about how that intuition is molded through the human experts that support these systems. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they, are, they are absolutely essential. And, you know, more and more we see these categories of kind of like conversational or chatbot designers if people are yeah, doing text, yeah. not voice. And, you know, it's a huge industry. It's going to grow tremendously, right? It's Good kind time. of like what traditionally has been the role of a tier two call center agent is kind of moving towards this. And it's really an upskill mm-hmm. for those guys. It's a great thing. They absolutely have a huge role to play, especially in setting up the first version of the system, but also in maintaining it, keeping it up to date. You know, it's not an AI that is, you know, omniconscious and omnipresent <laughs> exactly, and is able to exactly. like pick it up. I wish yeah. we're working on it. Yeah, we're but trying gonna, to get it's, there. It's going to take a bit of yeah, yeah. But, you know, in the meantime, yeah, it's an absolutely collaborative thing between call centers and technologists to build something that just turbocharges their ability to up their CSET and MPS scores. And really, frankly, in most of the work we do, it's not about cost savings. It's about adding that extra layer of labor that call centers will have at their disposal any time of day or night to help them manage the call volumes in a more effective way. Got it. Got it. So you mentioned a really interesting point. We're going to talk a little bit about the future in a moment, but you said something that I think is really interesting to paint a picture of, which is that you know there's there's a bit of a path in terms of the future of let's say a tier two call center agent that could be involved in this sort of system design. I don't know enough about a day in the life of a tier one, two, three, four to exactly have a perfect picture here. But talk a little bit about what you mean there. You know, as this technology becomes more important, we obviously need human expertise to determine these basic structures, paths, workflows, etc. The people on the calls are going to be the people that often know that stuff well. What did you mean by a tier two can help with the molding and upkeep of these systems. How did you mean that? Yeah. So, so, so when you think about, you know, deploying, um, you know, you're a large enterprise. You decide that you need, you know, let's say an alternate source of workforce for your call center, right? So you might go and say, uh, get an outsourced BPO company to help you with it, right? 
or you work with a conversational AI solution. That's more and more going to be the case. These tier two agents are people who know how their customers take what they ask, how those conversations tend to go. And they're perfectly equipped to be, you know, that kind of like source of knowledge for building a really good voice assistant, right? And we work with them all the time. And I've been really impressed with, you know, a lot of the work that these guys have been able to do, right? So, yeah, I don't know. What do you want me to drill into? Yeah, I could yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. this so, for a long time. Yeah. So do you do you see when you guys work on deployments, is it often these tier twos that get pulled into this initial structure, strategy, routing kind of system building? Because of course the AI has to operate within categories we understand, categories that matter. Yeah, we work with we work with kind of like CX leaders and subject matter experts, which would yep. be these guys exactly. to kind of like say, like, well, all right, like what are we gonna do? Like let's look at the call volumes, let's prioritize, let's yep. build. How does it tend to go? And the input that the subject matter experts provide for the first version of the system before it can go out and, you know, be good enough yeah. to be, you know, engaged with by the caller so that it can improve. You know, AI is very good at improving after it's already kind of okay. That, that's known as overcoming, in academia at least, as overcoming the cold start problem where you don't have enough data. Now, simplistically, a lot of people just think AI is about data and like when you have enough data, it's going to work great. More data will improve a good model that's already capable of supporting something basic. And maybe it's fully learned, maybe it's not. In the case of something like this, it won't be fully learned. And, you know, I think one of our key differentiators is that we build the first version ourselves, synthesizing the amount of data we need to get it off the ground, and then we improve with your data. But like that thing around like how much data you need, I think it keeps a lot of people away from deploying AI. And the truth is, well, at least when it comes to voice assistance, at least with us, uh, you know, we can get a start before we have a lot of that data. Yeah. And, and I think that's the golden dream, you know, the Andreessen Horowitz, you know, famous piece about kind of the, the transferability of, you know, AI learnings from one kind of bespoke B2B environment to another, like how much of that is actually portable. It's maybe less than a lot of vendors would have hoped. But to your point, if you can have, you know, some of the basic syntax, the voice to text kind of capability already done, then we don't have to cold start everything, right? It's not like we're, we're building from the ground up with every darn client. We, we can just kind of adjust with the their specific data, their flows, et cetera. Yeah. So, so it, you know, if we kind of like go, go deeper into this technology, right? Deep learning is a tremendous success because it's able to, you know, kind of like abstract away and use a single model in many different kinds of applications, right? So what we've managed to do at PolyAI is to basically create a single model that operates across different industries and telcos, banks, financial services, retail, logistics, right? And it's hard to do. You need a lot of data. And then the smart thing about a lot of deep learning and a lot of breakthroughs there is to get the pre-training right, where you take a mountain of data that's not directly applicable and you turn it into useful data for getting the model off the ground. Yeah, certainly, certainly technical challenges there. And you know, being able to have that transferability across industries certainly isn't something, you know, coding with Python wise, uh, I would have a lot of expertise about, but I do know for a darn fact it ain't easy because I've talked to a lot of people in this space and it's just, just far from simple to be able to have uh, that kind of, you know, transferability. Eventually, as this stuff becomes more and more the norm, and as you mentioned, people are leaning in the direction of conversational interfaces. I, I, it's hard for me to argue that it would be anything other than inevitable, long enough ball moving into the future here. The norm of voice customer experience is going to involve you know, some level uh, of AI. I'd be interested to get your thoughts, whether you could take it either of these tacks, you can pick your, your, your poison here. It could be like workflow specific kinds of questions. You, know, you mentioned appointment scheduling, you mentioned maybe product or, or service recommendations, whatever. It could be, could be a use case. 
or it even could be industries. You know, I think about the big call center folks, the credit card firms, uh, you know, insurance companies. Uh, there's other kinds of folks as well, right? So you could go industry, you could go workflow. X number of years into the future, you know, three, four years in the future, there's going to be some industries that are really changed, some workflows that are really changed. What for you are some of the areas where you think, you know, in not a terrible amount of time, AI is really going to be the norm? You know, where, where do you see the future headed? Yeah. So, you know, I think that like wherever you see a large call center, you know, think banking, telco, et cetera, insurance, telco, you know, you'll right. see a lot of adoption, right? And it's already happening much more so on chat than with voice. And I think, you know, the thing that's happening right now is people have realized that it's not all going to move to chat. We got to do yeah, voice. And, yeah. you know, it's the reason why we have this company. Yep. But when you look at, you know, kind of like what the AI will be doing, it will be handling repetitive customer service calls, queries, common transactions, and it will free up the budget to reshore those customer service agents, to invest in contact centers, in agent training, and to upskilling agents. So, you know, in certain cases, they can provide highly personalized, high-quality customer experience, right? And, you know, banks and telcos have invested heavily in a lot of this technology already, but we'll see a lot of it in other businesses such as travel and hospitality where, you know, users may have a bit more of a temporary relationship with those service providers, right? Mm -hmm. Where they might not have an app that they use every day yeah. right? okay. and stuff like that. And in those cases, you really want to beef up your customer service capabilities because it's much more important for, you know, getting getting customers that are loyal and that come back to you. Yeah. And, and just to, to kind of maybe throw a final note on this here, you know, you mentioned AI tackling some of the lower hanging fruit. You mentioned some of the industries where, you know, we have huge call centers, you know, telcos, banking, et cetera, being very important. You also mentioned that, that you see this as becoming a norm, you know, three, four years in the future, becoming a norm and even leveling up existing call center folks. Um, where do you see, you know, in the future as, as this stuff makes its way into all the big telcos and credit card companies, bank, how well these voice systems help to level up the actual boots on the ground human talent? I thought it was interesting that you brought that up. Where do you see that becoming more the norm? It's an interesting question. I think that it will happen everywhere, right? And I think that companies that work with outside vendors that are specialized for their specific use cases are going to do better than the ones trying to build it in-house. So I think, you know, banks, and I think that there will be a real curve of disruptive innovation here where, you know, we are already seeing, you know, maybe hospitality, restaurants, retail, outperforming the traditionally, you know, highly invested companies like you know large telcos in these things because they're trying to build it in-house and they don't really have that expertise okay cool yeah so so you think we, we might find some industries that don't try to reinvent the wheel that might start to pull ahead of and then be the inspiration for the bigger stodgier sectors out on the field Absolutely, absolutely. Huh, because those bigger ones are taking a very risk-adjusted approach. They're doing what, you know, the large tech companies are. You know, frankly, we've done some of our best voice assistance with, you know, like restaurant groups, uh, with casinos, right? And those companies are taking risks to, you know, up the revenue. They're adding huge amounts of virtual labor in places where they couldn't afford to have a call center before, right? Whereas, you know, the the larger telcos and the likes are investing into old school vendors trying to, you know, improve routing accuracy by 2%. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's not going to revolutionize your business. Yeah. Interesting to see. Well, I, I, I think we'll see if this prognostication holds, you know, if, if some of these smaller industries that are frankly taking a more scrappy, you know, vendor led approach, frankly, become the new baseline outside of big tech, 
the new baseline for for how well voice is done. And it'll be curious to see if that's the case, because I, I think there is some credence to this idea that some folks are really trying to reinvent the wheel, you know, inside these these big companies. So cool stuff. So I know that's all we had for time for this particular interview. But Nicola, thanks so much for being able to share your insights with us here. Thank you for having me. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to you for listening all the way through. And thank you to Nicola for being here with us and joining us on this episode. If you're interested in more use cases for natural language processing, be sure to download our PDF brief called Unlocking the Business Value of NLP. You can go to emerj.com slash NLP1. That's NLP like natural language processing, emerj.com slash NLP, and then the number one, and download our free PDF brief called Unlocking the Business Value of NLP. Otherwise, be sure to keep it locked here. Tomorrow, we have another episode for you focusing on the world of artificial intelligence in defense and defense innovation broadly. Military and defense is an awfully exciting industry, and we've got a bit of a series kicking off about it. And tomorrow is episode one of that series. So I hope to catch you here tomorrow for that episode. Thanks for tuning in again here on the AI and Business Podcast.